preferences until there's another 50 Cent game. Okay. Here's one go. Hello and welcome to Getaway Quest episode 253. I'm your host, my caps. I'm not falling asleep, wheels. And with me as always. Uh, full of chorizo burrito and giving, saying good riddance to all your good advice. And Ronnie, family master. Oh, me. Hi. Uh, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Monogatari. Just busy with query letters at the moment. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> And I'm not even supposed to be here today. But you Yay. are, so you have to introduce yourself. Fine. My name is Joe. I also go by Joe 86 I have my own Twitch channel that you can check out whenever you feel like it. And I'm also the guy that you hear and see on Sunday Night Shenanigans. Yay. Even though are I we seeing you on those? Like, we definitely hear Teddy. you. There was that one week where I won in Mario Golf, but then there was the week where he kept beating me with Teddy. So, you know, we're pretty much even. Very poisonous. Yes, by the way, dear listener, no shenanigans this week. Yeah, well, there won't be a podcast next week. Yes, I will be in Florida. Okay. Please don't die to Florida, man. Are you going to the Everglades to wrestle alligators? No. Would you consider adding that to the itinerary? Yes. <laughs> Thank God. Hey, sure, why not? Alligators. Can you get me um Donald Duck's autograph? No. Can Superman outrun the Flash? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> The youngest calls Donald Duck Donald Ducks, and it's kind of cute. Is that like Dynamite Ducks? Sure. The arcade? Sure. <laughs> Dynamite Ducks is weird, but it kind of it kind of owns. <laughs> Who doesn't love Dynamite Ducks? I'll fight you. <laughs> it's like a weird cartoony beat 'em up from Sega from like the late '80s. Go look it up, kids. <laughs> I played a new RPG this week. Uh, which oh, one? It's baseball. I played baseball on my Legally, Switch. Legally, that's not an RPG, maybe. But <laughs> I'm, I know Power Pro Coon Pocket had an RPG tag on it a couple times. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, it's kind of... I think it was a, it was a side game to it, but yeah. It's kind of got a saga, maybe Final Fantasy 2-ish progression system in in the road to the show mode because i was noticing as i was playing like playing a game like i'd get a strikeout and it'd be like it showed like this little icon like plus walks per nine inning like boosting that stat and so on so basically how you how what you do good at is what you get stat buffs for. It was kind of cool. I believe this is where they've gone with the Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> yeah, it's they, good. Uh, that's, that's Major League Baseball for you. And will be the show, which <laughs> I'm sitting there playing and I showed it to my son. I'm like, hey, look at this. It's 
It's the PlayStation. It's the PlayStation logo running on my Switch. And your child did not care. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> like that is something that for like people like us, oh, that's cataclysmic for children. It's like okay. It's just weird. Yeah. Smoking Joe says in the chat for some reason. I'm what? Like, loaded on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right here. <laughs> Or is he? I can, I can multitask. Oh my god. Does it count as multitasking if that's you're not, interfacing with the same path? That's not what multitasking way. means. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, I forget what base is loaded as like a localization. But yeah, it's, I know the... You can now play games with both the Xbox and PlayStation logos in on your Switch now. I believe that's extremely weird. I believe Ori shows the uh, the like the Xbox Studios logo. I would imagine it does. I'm surprised that Minecraft doesn't, but I would imagine. Oh yeah, that does too. Something. Yeah, Minecraft and <laughs> Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah, I heard loaded with What's that? I heard the guy who made Minecraft got severely depressed after he sold it to Microsoft. Well, he's a giant douchebag, so who cares? Yeah, let's not think about him. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the less you know about yeah. him, the better. Yeah, you don't. I, you I don't want to know. Minecraft, so I never knew yeah. anything about the creator. Well, the good news is it didn't get better until he wasn't making it anymore. So there you go. Uh, there's a there's a reason that uh, the that one of the messages Minecraft can uh, give when it boots up is it came from space. <laughs> which was in reference to a uh, a viral tweet that was just someone someone saying someone like acting out a discussion with their son and son's like uh, this Minecraft game sure is great dad yeah it sure is son <laughs> where did it come from who made it and he's like no one it came from space <laughs> so, yeah um, but I mean the good news is by all accounts the people working on it now are pretty cool and they have been working on it way longer than that dude ever worked on it so. it's weird to think how long ago that was purchased yeah Very curious now. Uh, remember how long ago that was? Yeah. Yeah, that was 2014. Damn. Yeah, I've been playing that a lot because my daughter's into it now. Just playing creative, spawning all the animals. Microsoft paid two and a half billion dollars to own the generational child. To own an entire generational childhood. It seems like a discount. <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously, that was that was not exactly a. That probably has done everything they wanted and more already. Now, I guess my niece is into Roblox now. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know anything about it. Imagine, if you would, a creation tool that allows children to make very bad approximations of much better games that they could be playing instead. That is Imagine Roblox. Imagine also that those children can press gang each other into being involved in sweatshops to make bad versions of other yeah. games. <laughs> it's oh, really it's really, really, really bad. And I'm glad that you failed that shot miserably, Wales. Yeah, okay, that's that's not important. <laughs>
need to immortalize that for people who didn't get to see yeah. it. And I wonder if, honestly, roguelocks may die, because Fortnite is kind of doing a better version of that with their creative mode stuff, so... You know. That's a dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also just like having to launch himself out of the cannon just into <laughs> slamming directly into a wall instead of like trying to get... Very funny. I'm not even trying, attempting to time this correctly. It's fine. I'm going to join my allies. I don't have to do anything. Wait, could I have just gone through on the bottom there? Fuck. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wheel. Oh, you got blocked again. Okay, so, uh, tell. Uh, you've been playing MLB. Play anything else this week? Uh, lots of Destiny. Um, we did. Um a dungeon that's not technically from this expansion, but it came out like near the end of last year as part of like a 30, 30th anniversary thing. Uh, so it's got like... the anniversary of Bungie, I assume? Bun of Bungie, yes. Probably not of Destiny 2. So it's got like little references to some of their past games. Like you can get, I think, a sword that's modeled after like something from the Myth games. And you get like weapon ornaments that are callbacks to like Oni and Halo and no one actually wants Oni to come back why would you reference that I, I don't know and I think you can get a shotgun that's basically the shotgun from Marathon so I which I didn't get unfortunately but um it was a really well designed dungeon and we we did it with two people it's obviously designed for three but it's pretty challenging and quite satisfying to beat so more good stuff from Destiny. Um, their uh, divorce from Activision it has really starting, started to shine through. So we'll see how the whole Sony thing shapes out. Hopefully for the better. But Microsoft owns Activision, right? They yeah. will. Yeah, that, uh, that won't clear until it. next year. Oh. That kind, okay. of, that kind of deal takes fucking forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... And uh, we'll just see how long before uh, Bungie gets divorced from Sony. <laughs> What's take, the over-under on 10 now. years? Uh, I'll take the under, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like uh, I can't fully see Sony... Like, the difference is that Microsoft was open to the idea of divesting themselves. Yeah. Like, sure... Whereas I can kind of see Sony being more possessive. <laughs> it's possible. We'll see. Who knows? It's. I, I, I was honestly shocked that anyone would agree to buy Bungie <laughs> after all the history. Yeah. yeah, after everything else that's happened, it's like, yeah. it seems like a weird, weird yeah. play to make. Like. Activision specifically didn't buy them. They just went into an agreement, and that still ended the same way. <laughs> like, what the... Yeah, why? I don't think they've ever parted, parted with a publisher on good terms. No. Like, it's a company started by a bunch of weirdos who've made Mac games. Like, this is, this is not somebody you want to be purchasing. Just 
invest in so, it. Get Sony, in. Sony finds a dysfunctional group that's just trying to make Marathon 4. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's all you've been playing with Destiny 2. Uh, a lot of that. I've been. Um, what the hell else have I been playing? Uh, triangle Strategy. Still going. Uh, yeah, I had to redo. A uh, was I had a tough battle. I had to try a few times, and then the one after that, I had to try a few times. Not because I was having trouble beating it, but because there's an NPC you have to protect, and he keeps charging headlong into the enemies. That's classic FF. Yes. Uh, the good so news he, is he can do plastic, he but... can do lots of damage, so he, he actually helps out a lot. Oh, that's more than I can say for some of the ones he has to defend in tactics. You have a new—I have a unique job. Oh, cool! What is it? Useless. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, triangle yeah. strategy. Triangle strategy still owns. It's not played Elden Ring in a while, and um. Oh, uh, did you beat Elden Ring? No, I'm not going to beat that for a long time. I'm not, game even close. Like, I'm not not even in any rush for it. Okay. It's not like there's going to be an Elden Ring two anytime in the next yeah. couple of years anyway. <laughs> nope. Uh, but yeah. Uh... Uh, what have you been playing? Uh, just random stuff. I remember I grabbed like over a dozen games with a $50 uh, yeah. cards. I've been looking through some of those and some have been better than others. <laughs> that sounds to be the way, but... Yeah. And one that's, I mean, it looks like it should be like a nice little top-down Zelda clone. Yeah. Except that they've made it so that like the right joystick is targeting while the left joystick is movement. The targeting's not really tight and you're... The uh, range that you can actually whack things with a stick is pretty short. Shorter, than the, shorter than the enemy's reach for attacks. What is this game called? Uh, Weakwood Throne. Huh, never heard of it. Mm. Now I can kind of guess why. Yeah. Bit of a shame. Um, yeah. So uh, my experiences with that game is just mainly running around and trying to hit things and wondering why the targeting reticle does not actually show where I can hit. Yeah, that's regrettable. Yep. And then dying multiple times in the tutorial for how to dodge de dodge attacks because it won't dodge all the time. <laughs> and I only hit for one da one or two damage if I can hit, and that particular monster has twenty health. Sounds like not a great time so far. Yeah. Haven't haven't settled on what your next big game is going to be. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm getting a certain something in the mail sometime this weekend, likely. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, metal dogs. Oh yes, Not awesome. In stores. That looks cool. <laughs> it looks like something. It's, right. it's, it's dog. We get to see what it is. But yeah, stay tuned for that two weeks from now. Get, get hype for metal dogs. Um, it's metal dogs. 
multiple dogs. Multiple metal. One metal, multiple dogs. Because uh, I was think it made me think Metal Gear Dog, and I thought of D Dog. Yeah. And then you said the no, it's Metal Dogs, and then I used the No Homers gift. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. We have fun. That metal Dogs looks cool. We have fun here on Wheels as Hell Discord. Um, Is that what we're calling it now? Uh, it can be. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anything you want to talk about playing, Joe? Well, um, let's well, think about this. I've been playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which is I hear that part of the ish. What? It's a fart joke. Oh, alright, no, there was a Rift Apart. Rift Apart? Yeah, so Rift Apart? Get it? So far, uh... <laughs> I mean, it beats the time that they tried to name a game Clockwalkers, and Sony said absolutely not. Jeez. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I was playing some uh, Everybody's Golf, the PS4 one. Still, it's yeah. super weird to me that for 20 years they insisted on renaming the Hot Shots Golf, and then arbitrarily, once they hit PS4, it's just like, fuck it. It's Everybody's Golf everywhere. Yeah. So, I, know, I got back into that. That's, I don't know, playing that Let's a little go. bit. And, uh, <laughs> some Pokemon Legends Arceus, I got back into that. I decided to subdue the giant golden Arcanine in the volcano. Oh, uh, yeah. So I did that. Um, and I finally got the one that lets you swim so I don't drown. Because <laughs> oh man, that's so stupid. Your guy jumps in the water and just sinks. Water. Yeah, it is. It is very nice when you get the ability to to start swimming, and the game just suddenly opens up a lot of new areas in the older areas. Yep, um, and that's where you can finally run into the uh, <laughs> the furious Magikarp. It's like level fifty. <laughs> oh boy. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, it's in the first area when you go in the water. Oh, I got my first shiny. It's a, uh... What the hell is it called? It's like that water otter type. Steel? Um, Steel? No, the... Oshawott? No, no, oh, it's, uh, it's it. one from um, Pearl and Diamond. Uh, no, uh, it looks like it has Whistle? a... Like a water floaty. It's wearing a water floaty, and it's got double tail it's a little river yeah, you're thinking of whistle i think something with the adult form i think flozel oh Flozel's you know what me. hold on that's the wrong pokemon anyway no so floatzel i was no i got a shiny of the the electric one um kind of looks like a dog with a black mane around its neck oh like shanks and Luxray and yeah. that thing. Uh, anyways, well, that was my first, like, shiny Pokemon, and I was like, oh, alright, and then I start using him, and I'm like, oh, he's not any better, he just, he's just he just looks different. Blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoop-dee-doo. That's, that's the shiny way. <laughs> and I have, uh, well, like, I got I got an Alpha Machoke, and I'm trying to get him to evolve, and I'm trying to get Haunter to evolve into Gengar, and I'm hoping it's not the same rules as the old games. It's not. 
you okay, can okay. you can find an item that looks like a Game Boy Link cable, <laughs> and that will okay. uh, evolve it. Okay, good. Well, I do like that. the implication that it was actually the physical properties of being next to a Game Boy Link cable that evolved them. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, uh, well, we were playing Persona Four Arena Ultimax a couple weeks ago, so. That's cool. And then just some like old 90s platformers. I was doing Donkey Kong Country 2 and uh, Dynamite Eddie. Yeah. That's Lots of Dynamite games mentioned today. Yeah. Dynamite Eddie, Dynamite Tekka. Who knows Dynamite where Dynamite Ducks. will take us? Yeah. Dynamite will take us up. Um, whether true. we want to go up is the different problem. I intend to go up in flames. Mm -hmm. so... Go up like a go up like a manhole cover at a nuclear uh, at a nuclear bomb test. You, you've heard that story, right? No. Uh, I think so, but it was one of the underground bomb tests, and one of the uh, one of the vents for uh, one of the air vents had a manhole cover on it, and when they were taking like a zillion very very short um, photos of the of the blast as it happened they mm -hmm. got one frame of this manhole cover going skyward <laughs> and um, general consensus is that it probably just destroyed itself again rushing against the atmosphere as it went up but if it somehow survived it definitely cleared orbit wow incredible <laughs> yeah <sighs> also listed as potentially the fastest Item ever oh, ever sent anywhere by man. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Uh, well, as for me, unsurprisingly, I played a bunch more Dot Hack. Uh, but before I get onto that, I also played uh, some Azure Striker Gunvolt. It's the oh shit, so did I. Striker pack finally went on sale. I love that. What's that? Azure Striker Gunvolt. I love that game. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting game because like when I first played the demo of it back when it first came out on 3DS, I didn't I didn't fully get it, and like with the context of the Mega Man Zero games, it's kind of a follow up to. It makes more sense by virtue of like those were games that were like very interested in being played for mastery's sake. They were games that you were supposed to like play them so well that you would get like these really high ranks and the games would reward you for doing that. Like the ranking was kind of what the game was about. And you know, that, that bothered a lot of people. They got uh, irritated, frustrated at clearing a hard game and getting told that they had sucked at doing it. <laughs> uh, so the the assumption people have with like for what the logical follow-up to be would be oh you make the grading less strict and uh indie creates kind of took the opposite tack they made the game way easier and made the grading more complicated <laughs> so like gun getting through a stage in gun vault alive is not difficult at all uh 
you have like a recharge your attacks are really built around this like recharging shield where you can like tag things with bullets and then like fire off the electricity out of your recharging shield and uh the game is you know influencing you to like blow up as many enemies as you can run through the level as quickly as you can and take as few hits as you can and the the thing about it is that like you're technically sacrificing your shield to attack but at the same time you can just double tap the d-pad in any direction and you will like rapidly recharge shield the point is that when you do that you are making a sacrifice of time and making yourself briefly a sitting duck but uh you there are so many health pickups and again the shield is going to protect you so well that dying from being shot is not really a risk you're take, undertaking very often it's if you take too many hits you lose your combo and if you are somehow in danger of dying or like in danger of dropping your combo that's where the checkpoints come in because checkpoints aren't just like if you die you come back here they're also when you touch this you cash out your combo but technically i think you can get more points by you know continuing skipping the checkpoint jumping right over it and refusing to cash out the combo putting that at risk it's an interesting system it uh really focuses on what i think they want players to care about which is like playing really well even okay. if they can get through uh like it it reduces the concern of like uh being frustrated that like you worked so hard to complete a level and got told you sucked for doing for doing poorly at it and now it's just like it's all about that ranking but i definitely saw a bunch of people who expected it to play like mega man and it super doesn't just because of this like wrinkle to how it's actually grading but i mean it's still got really good stage design really gorgeous sprite work great music uh it's, uh, I was glad to see that Gunvolt 3 just got announced, which is technically kind of the sixth gun, uh, fifth Gunvolt game, because between mm -hmm. Gunvolt 2 and Gunvolt 3, they released two spin-off Luminous Avenger X games. Both of those are on sale as well. The first one for like the criminally cheap 750, so I grabbed that as well. I haven't tried that yet. But... Yeah, I didn't try that one yet, but I do have it. Yeah, so those are like I was, I've I am favorably impressed with the first Gunvolt thus far. Uh, it's uh, it's fairly chatty, but most of the dialogue thus far has been charming. So uh, thumbs up. Uh, it you like it usually doesn't seem to go on sale that often, but as of when I picked it up, it was fifty percent off. So ten bucks for each game is a steal, I would say. So. That's a great deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, what you were uh, describing made me think of uh, Shovel Knight. How you could yeah, destroy yeah, it. Shovel Knight. I think definitely took some inspiration for the like the sacrificing checkpoints to improve score mechanic. Yeah. I just got a gun that's totally the a gun from Halo. Cool. I feel like there's a lot of guns in Halo. Not that many. <laughs> I'm just Halo saying, like, I don't know, guns. just when you say the gun from Halo, I don't know what you I mean. said. Oh, sorry, I said a gun. Oh, not I thought you the, said the gun. Not, not like the gun, no. 
Hey, are you watching the Halo TV series? No, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what uh, uh, streaming service is it on? It's on Paramount Plus? No, no, then I'm not going to watch it. Oh, don't, because it's garbage. Do you remember... Uh, do you remember playing Halo games back in the day and watching as children's limbs got blown off and people got viciously stabbed through with the sword? No? No. Well, because whoever made the show seems to think that's important to include in the show. Okay. It's extremely violent. Which show is this? The Halo show. Oh. Okay. It's, it's pretty gross. <sighs> that's a shame. Yeah, do not recommend sure a lot of people put a lot of hard work into that and they were let down by everything about the script. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that was only in the 15 minutes I watched, so I don't know Jesus. how worse it gets. But I did not want to find out. Yeah, I can see why. Um, let's see. Uh... Yeah, and and yeah, I played a bunch more down hack GU. I think about halfway through GU volume two. Uh, level hundred, got the the doppelganger weapons. About to start tracking down the lost weapons. Uh, so yeah, Re really going at that, like I'm killing cats, so to speak. And uh, still ha still having a great time with it. Uh, think uh <laughs> i ran into something that i felt the need to explain to to explain to wheels through text he got like while he was playing destiny mm -hmm. a like just a giant discord message explaining what the fuck is going on with the uh origin of the mmo from dot hack which, uh, to try to compress this down into a uh, shorter version, the second set of games never really touches on this, uh, but uh, the reason behind the creation of Yamamoto.hack is very funny to me. Uh, so basically, uh, this uh, genius programmer named Harold Horwick uh, got real obsessed with a lady who posted an epic poem online in the early 2000s. Jesus. And, uh, like, then she died seemingly in a car crash, and he got real sad about that. So he's like, I'm gonna make a tribute to her. And his way of doing that was to make an MMO. And the reasoning behind that was not to, like, and it has a whole bunch of references to her epic poem in it, and the that is not the tribute he was making, though. The MMO is a front. The actual tribute he was making was that he was going to make a giant... He was going to make a strong AI uh, based on aspects of what he thought she was like and what he was like. And the reasoning behind the MMO is that he needs a giant data set to train it on. <laughs> and the easiest way he can come up with to 
get a data set of human interactions to train an AI designed to act like a human on is to make a giant MMO and steal data from players to determine how to train the AI. So that's why the MMO initially started development and also is the source of a lot of why it's fucking up. Because in order to train the AI, he made another program that was supposed to like essentially uh, keep track of the data set and use it to train the like AI it's trying to make. And then this program that's supposed to make the this perfect AI becomes self-aware enough to realize that if the perfect AI is ever made, then it no longer has a reason to exist. Huh. And so it responds to this because it can't completely go against the notion that its job is to make the ultimate AI by deliberately polluting the data set so that the ultimate AI won't actually be finished. As long as the ultimate AI is never finished, then its job is never done and it still has a reason to live. And, and this is why the third law of robotics is sometimes problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that is... A very like that is a key aspect of like where so much of this stuff comes from. Like this AI, this pseudo AI, uh, like the 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 thing that became self-aware trying to create the ultimate AI, Morgana shows up by reference in GU, but the games don't actually explain what Morgana is, so it's just like this weird, vague thing that like isn't necessary to understand it, but sure makes a lot of it seem less weird and mysterious when you are aware that Morgana is that thing. Uh but yeah, it's it's very it's a very strange set of ideas that immediately one hundred percent betrays the fact that, oh, the guy who wrote this wrote the screenplay for the Ghost of the Shell movie. <laughs> Because it's a it's a very like weird ghost in the shelly sort of uh, idea rumination on AI, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so by the way, I missed, a, I missed a joke in chat with Pew saying I'm gonna fall asleep or something. God damn it. Yeah, he said time for a nap. God. No, I was quoting the progressive commercial. No, not you. No, Pew. No, Pew, uh, Pew was making the joke. But yeah, so that that was that was a very uh, occasionally further dot hack deep lore just spews out of me, and that just happens sometimes, and I apologize. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, I was I was thinking about the fact that like I cracked open the manga that came with the physical Switch edition in the U.S. And uh, that manga is one of the only attempts to directly summarize prior .hack media that they have ever made. It's a direct summary of the first anime, the first four games, the second anime, and I believe maybe also GU itself. Which is a weird thing to include with GU, but also a very weird thing to only include with GU. As far yes. as I can tell, you cannot buy this by itself. So anyone who purchases this collection digitally does not get a nice brief summation of what the hell happened in the prior, like, mainline stories. It's just like, well, uh, have fun. 
And, like, it's not like you need to know what happened in the other stories to understand GU, but there's going to be a lot of references to stuff. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... That's a weird thing to sell in such a fashion that only super fans will ever read it. <laughs> but here we are. They made their choice. Uh, oh, you want to yeah, talk about ahead. Dot Hack? No, I want you to talk about Dot Hack. Hey, buddy, don't tempt words. me. <laughs> I'll keep going. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, still having a great time with that. Uh, I had forgotten uh, how many, like, they, they, they definitely feel like they took some of the more workable feedback that they had gotten uh, about the first game by the time they uh, put out the second game. So, like, one of the things I had forgotten doesn't exist until the second game is uh, the skill trigger, which is, like, your ability to use, like, skills that have been quick mapped to your shoulder button uh that in the first game you can only assign uh you have to you you can only assign skills for the weapon you currently have equipped which means that if you're using the broadsword you're stuck with the broadsword if you're using the uh twin blades you're stuck with the twin blades in the sequel they add a third weapon you can get a scythe but also, they make it so that once you get the scythe, you're allowed to assign multiple weapons skills onto your uh, skill trigger, so you can uh, switch by using the skill trigger, which makes it much less cumbersome to switch between weapons. Uh, they also went and made the twin swords a lot faster uh, to make them feel more satisfying to use and give them an identity, because the uh, broadsword in volume one is just kind of flat out better. So, <coughs> generally better weapon differentiation in second volume. They, they made some good uh, improvements there. They made it so you can customize the motorcycle, which uh, makes the motorcycle a lot more useful because it can, for example, make you temporarily invisible. Or if you crash into a treasure chest while riding it, it will grant better items than it would have otherwise. Hmm. So... It's, uh, they, they did they did a good job of uh, seeing where there was room for improvement within their limited development time frame and uh, making the follow-ups materially better. <laughs> but also, because of the fact that the upgrades to the game are integrated into the narrative, they couldn't backport them when they were, <laughs> when they were in the remastering <laughs> process. Because changes to how the Twin Swords function is literally a patch made in-game. <laughs> like, you get an email uh, with patch notes from uh, CyberConnect Japan telling you that we've, met, we've altered how these work to make them stronger. And so that's very funny to me, but, uh, I mean, gotta, gotta respect the lore. But yeah, um, there's a. It, but yeah, no. Like in in less uh, abstract or silly things, I, it it is fun to play through the games uh, rapidly because you. It is interesting. It's always interesting to see a character like Haseo, the protagonist, done well, because 
you are you're you're trusting the audience a lot when you start a series with a character who is just feels like an irredeemable asshole. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're trusting the audience a lot to accept that he is going to become tolerable at some point. And very and you know, very deliberately, like he does become more tolerable. So it's been interesting to get like halfway through GU volume two and it's like, oh, he's actually matured quite a bit since the start of the first game and like is reacting to these things in a way that is uh much more emotionally healthy than he would have at the start of these games. Um, but the design is also interesting because, like, you'll there there is a character in uh, Volume Two who uh, like gets put into a coma partway through, and uh, like at that point they've been a party member for quite a while, so it's it gives you the uh, the um, the player gets the gut punch of they're always in the party menu. They're always online. They're just not conscious. Conscious. You can't play with them because you know they're in a coma. Uh, but they. Uh, but like the other thing is that of course if you've been paying attention and uh, sought out their interests, the game actually plants a new story in such a way as to. Uh, be a gut punch because it's like if you look at their interests like one of their favorite like uh one of the one of their favorite like bands puts out a cd like right after they go into a coma and it's like oh that's sad actually okay. uh, you know uh, as with most things dot back it's always well if you chose to actually pay attention to that given that we never actually brought it up but it is in there in the game to be found uh, it's like, oh, that makes this a little bit just a, that just twists the knife just that little bit more. So yeah, A plus, having a great time. Good, nice. Also, that band oh. is a giant reference to uh, to the first four games, which you would not know unless you bothered to recruit an optional character who only appears in the first four games. Good times. I. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm glad that I can put you personal. to sleep. It's not personal. It's just late, and I'm tired, and it's... I'll tired all. you. I'm glad that I can put you to sleep. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. No, I'm tired. No, I gotta go. So. Okay. See you, John. You can talk See about you. whatever you want. It's fine. You can even talk about a boat? No. Okay. Get out of all here. Right. Alright, see you guys. See ya. Hydro Thunder! Sorry, I was thinking about boats. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, having a great time. Fully recommended. Uh, very, like, grow growing more and more excited, both because, like, I'm, I'm reaching bits of the game that I remember vaguely, but, of course, I first played these over ten years ago at this point, so... Uh, there are things that it's like, I remember this happening, I don't remember why. Uh, <laughs> so that's been exciting to sort of, like, fill in those memory gaps, and also I'm very excited because the further I get in, the closer I get to the new material. I can't wait to play Volume 4 Reconnection to see how that is. But, 
Yeah, so that's been fun. Uh, I found out one character, like, there there are some, uh, there's some things that I did not realize existed in, in the game that have been interesting to find, like, just certain email chains I was not aware of. Hmm. I'm looking forward to playing a lot more of that. Let's see. Uh, I think that moved us into question mode. Sweet. Especially because you already seem to be fading back. Yeah, I Well, Fireman did give us some good, good stuff. Yeah, we did get a bunch of new questions. Oh god, inside Mac Gaming. Yes. Um, Lay it on me. Okay, some of the below questions are about Nintendo's PC, as I've mentioned before, and others are in response to episode 251. How was it like to be a Mac gamer in the late 90s and early aughts? It sucked. I'll take your word. Long waits for ports, which were often of lower quality because... No, very few people were buying them, so they had to be made very cheaply. No one was making Mac games at that time who wasn't very yeah. passionate about the concept of making Mac games. <laughs> we'll put it that way. What is the like longest you recall waiting for a port? I'm uh, pretty sure... The Baldur's Gate 2 expansion took like an extra five years for no apparent reason. <laughs> you were still waiting at that point? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly happened with that, but yeah, it took. It did not come out for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm looking up the Throne of Ball uh, release dates to get maybe some sort of idea about how long this actually took. <sighs> Uh, Probably not as long as I remember it being. Well, Wikipedia does not even list a separate Mac release date, so wow. it's going to take a second for me to find it. Get any sort of detail. Oh, that's when uh, the Enhanced Edition came out on Mac. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's. Like, whatever release date this had has been lost to time because no one cared. <laughs> Harsh. I would imagine it probably took three or four years, uh, just by virtue of the fact that five years after uh, Throne of Ball came out on PC, they, were, they had switched to Intel processors on Mac. <sighs> they, did they switch processors again? They sure did. Why not just use mobile processors? Because it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't make a lot of sense. Ah, uh, they're they're custom chips that are ARM based. That's even more obnoxious. See. But yeah. 
people haven't stopped porting modern games to Mac, right? As for retro games, I think God works with Mac too. Uh, I know that there's still like a cottage industry that makes sure that some of the bigger stuff tends to come out on Mac. It's the same thing as like the people that port games to Linux. Or it's like it's it's raw passion that drives this. I I don't think Wheels is plugged into this as he once was. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I, like GOG is emulation, so as long as the emulator, well, usually emulation of some fashion, so as long yeah. as the emulation works. I mean, right right now, if you're going to do games on Mac, it's going to be like through Steam or through the, the Mac App Store. Hmm. So, uh, well, it's assuming Steam even got updated to run an M2s. I don't know that, but the App Store, they made everyone basically... <laughs> Still actively developing anything, they have to they have to like prepare to compile it on both the new chipset and the old chipset. So everything uh, must come under the auspices of the mothership. Yeah, Mac gaming as it was is long dead, and most of the players are gone from the business. So except for Aspire. Uh, who's, oh yeah, they transitioned now, into making. Games. Yeah, so now they port. To other platforms and occasionally publish new stuff. Also, they're making the KOTOR remake. Yep. Hope that works out. And also, weirdly, seem to have partnered with our um, possibly mafia friends at uh, THQ Nordic. They recently teamed up for physical editions of uh, the Jedi Knight games. So weird. So weird. Yep, it's a little bit weird. She uh, may have even been acquired by them, I don't remember. I can't imagine that's actually the case, because, like, uh, KOTOR still involves EA. Let's see if I can figure out who they are owned by, if anything. Mm. Game developer... They were acquired by the Embracer Group and placed yeah. within Saber Interactive. That is THQ Nordic. Holy shit. Boom. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. They the um, the necromancers of video game now own basically a piece of Mac gaming nostalgia in the company of yes. Aspire. What's the what are the other like major companies that made like porting games to Mac their business? There was like Mac Play. There was uh, I Mac remember like Soft. Mojo something or other. Yeah, Mojo is who owned Mac Play. Ah, uh, that explains it. Yeah. And then there were some like indie developers that focused on. Generally, they we released games for Windows too, but we're generally focused on like Mac shareware and stuff. Freeverse, um, Ambrosia Software. It's a few other big ones. Mostly well, all out of business. As far as things could be big in that yeah, space. Yeah. Most of those are long gone. Yeah. They they were passion fueled endeavors, and it rapidly became impossible to games of that size and complexity on passion. Uh, R.I.P. 
Okay. Looking back at Apple's clone saga and their resurrection under Steve Jobs, I've got to ask this. Has Apple ever been good at anything computer besides dressing up their products and giving their users a sense of exclusive superiority and a better user interface? Wow. I think you just answered your own question. About better, <laughs> better user interface. Yeah, like it was it was user interface and stability at the time, like Yeah. But you know especially, they were also especially once they switched to a, a Unix based operating system. Mac OS nine is a very creaky operating system yeah. by the time that, that happens. And I mean they they'd been trying to re architecture that thing for years with things like Copeland and shit that yeah. just never ended up happening. And then eventually they got real desperate and bought out Next Step. And the next next computers were using essentially the a, a Unix variant that would essentially be the nucleus for Mac OS X. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean I mean it's it's very much uh, Apple has a very good marketing department. They have uh, a very uh, keen design sense, and they can utilize both of those things to make sure to cultivate an audience that is willing to pay more to get both of those things. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of their their bread and butter. I mean, they they've always like even back in the back in the 80s when they were still rocking the Apple II or like the Lisa or the Mac, like they were known for you are going to pay so much of a premium to use any of these. Yeah. Because like, they, they were a company that made money on the hardware in a way that like uh, but like they needed to recoup R&D and all this other shit, so uh, whereas like, because it, it's also worth remembering the, the PC being becoming a standard was not something that was done with intent. It was it happened because IBM uh, IBM wanted to get into the personal computer market and wanted to do it yesterday and so used a bunch of off-the-shelf parts. <laughs> and thus the only thing that they could uh, claim was under any sort of patent or copyright was the BIOS basically. Because like they it wasn't just off the shelf parts they had used they also used off the shelf DOS. <laughs> so, I'll be right back. Anyone who purchased a license for that kind of DOS was able to make a highly compatible uh, clone of the uh, PC, and that meant that uh, there were a lot of things that could run PC software. So suddenly it made sense to write software for PCs, and then. Over time, that evolved into the PC is an evolving standard built around the x86 processor uh, family. And so you end up with the PC becomes a standard largely by happenstance. And so all of the companies that sort of made their own bespoke uh, computers end up dying out because they can't compete with 9 million small companies all making PC compatibles. <laughs> that's a that's a weird term that you'd only hear back in the eighties. PC compatible, because mm. IBM makes the PC. We just make 
things that are compatible with the IBM PC. But yeah, there, there are actually some small-scale efforts to clone the Apple II. Uh, they have names like the Laser 128, but uh, you know, Apple sued a lot of them into oblivion because Apple had its own DOS. Apple had all sorts of uh, things that were not as immediately off-the-shelf viable to clone as a PC. So the, uh, the Apple II clone market was a much more risky one. Why not just use the PC? There's all sorts of uh, proof that you won't get sued as directly into oblivion as long as you re-engineer the BIOS. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, in a lot of ways, Apple is just sort of the last vestige of the bespoke computer manufacturer of the late 80s. They just sort of never changed. Apple dropping PowerPC for Intel and Motorola focusing on more on embedded systems. Did those events have any impact on Sony and Microsoft dropping PowerPC? <clears throat> Certainly didn't help. Uh, and you can kind of, like, the, the Wii U is the tragic thing of what happens when a company just tries to soldier on with PowerPC, even though no one is really focused on uh, pushing that branch of uh, processors and technology forward, you end up with, you know, something that's just sort of a kludge solution to try to get wring more power out of uh, an aging architecture that's not really having meaningful advancements made on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that probably definitely uh, pushed uh, likely Microsoft and Sony to, like, through it, just use x86. There's always improvements being made on x86. So, yeah, I would say that that was probably the key point in why they didn't uh, try to continue using PowerPC. I recall PowerPC being an unwieldy acronym, but I couldn't tell you what it stood for. I'm going to go check this actually. <laughs> Performance optimization with enhanced risk performance computing. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> that is officially what PowerPC stands for. That is terrible. Yeah. Also, risk is also an acronym, so oh. if you wanted to really unfold this, it would turn it into performance optimization with enhanced reduced instruction set computing, performance computing. Okay. But yeah. I'm not sure how much PowerPC was actually uh, terribly in line with the principles of reduced instruction set computing. But I suppose I've never had the excuse to look at what the PowerPC instruction set looks like. Wikipedia certainly claims that it's still that it actually held to risk principles, so that's something I guess. Those not in the know, risk or reduced instruction set computing is basically you make uh, you make a very small instruction set where 
basically every kind of instruction takes about the same amount of time. And that allows uh, people programming on that computer to make certain guarantees about how many cycles it will take to do something. Uh, usually one cycle, because that's the point of making them all take around the same amount of time. Uh, whereas uh, x86 has kind of retroactively been relabeled to be CISC. Uh, it, was, it was not really designed with an intent in that sense, but CISC standing for Complex Instruction Set Computing, where uh, with uh, a CISC computing thing, you just you have all sorts of instructions that do very specific and bespoke things, uh, which is why suddenly you've seen all sorts of obsession with rate with real time ray tracing because new uh, x86 processors and GPUs and all that they have instructions to allow them to do uh, ray tracing quickly, which you would not see in a typical, like, you know, that's more of a GPU thing, but, like, you would not, that, that's the kind of very specific uh, thing that you would see in when you're willing to add things to the instruction set that take different amounts of time. Because... <laughs> Oh boy, even hardware ray tracing takes forever. But, um, yeah, let's see. But yeah, uh, I would say that the, uh, the death of Apple as one of the boosters of PowerPC uh, cause Microsoft looking at the successor to 360 to basically be like, eh, this is fighting a losing battle, just switch to x86 and get over with. We um, already kind of uh, answered this next question. Do they still port games to Linux? Yes, I have seen that there was a uh, actual kerfuffle within the Linux porting uh, seen when the Steam Deck was first announced because Valve really wants you to, it really wants developers to uh, port things specifically to Steam Deck and that means that uh, they want them on like a Linux variant and that means, but instead of saying like, you know, try to make it a Linux native version, they tried they made like this compatibility layer called Proton or something, and tried to influence the few existing Linux developers to port games not to Linux itself, but directly to this compatibility layer. Hmm. Which is uh, naturally going to make them function worse on actual Linux if they function at all. So that was not a popular thing among the handful of people who make direct Linux ports. I'd imagine not. Yeah. Um, anyone remember that brief moment in the late 90s, early aughts, when there was a push for a wide adoption of Linux? There was at least a 10-year period where that was that every year was the year of the Linux desktop. And uh, what else are you still there? <laughs> really? Okay, yeah, I thought you were asleep. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you were. Nope. Wheels, you know about the year of the Linux desktop, right? The what? 
the year of the Linux desktop. Yeah, do that. Uh, you never saw that, uh, like that rotating. Like, you remember how the first few years of the PS3, every year was finally the year that the PS3 was going to become worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for for I, I'm sure that you saw this at least occasionally, but there was a few years there in the late '90s, early aughts, where every year was like, "This is the year that Linux finally re is going to become like a desktop that like a normal <laughs> person would go out and install." And it's like, no, that's not going to happen. There's a lot of reasons for that, not the least of which is the kind of person pushing for a Linux desktop is the kind of person person that likes tinkering with things, and the kind of person who wants to purchase a Windows or Mac desktop is the kind of person who just wants their computer to do things. So, yeah, that's why we never actually reached the year of the Linux desktop, but I do appreciate that my Google year of the Linux desktop I got taken to the Reddit, uh, the Linux subreddit, where someone asked, when was the first year of the Linux desktop? Uh, it's a running joke that the year, to quote this Reddit thread, it's a running joke that the year of the Linux desktop is going to be this year or next year. But since when, when did someone first say this is the year of the Linux desktop? And apparently that was first claimed in 1998. Uh, because a bunch of investors uh, got really enamored with the con concept of Linux for about a year there and threw a shit ton of money at... Uh, people making things like Red Hat Linux to the point where you could go to a store and purchase a CD with Linux on it, which is just baffling. <laughs> uh, but this was also bearing, <laughs> bearing in mind that uh, Red Hat 6.0 in 1999 apparently was the first one with a graphical installer which should tell you about how that was going to go over. Uh, before that, you just, uh, I mean, why would you want an installer outside of a command line? That's just getting in your way. <laughs> but res respect to the people on this Linux, uh, this Reddit Linux thread who all have, uh, who clearly all love Linux, but also are all making fun of the concept of there being a year of Linux desktop. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, there was, there was a big, uh, like, as investors do, they saw money in computers and, oh, there's this Linux thing that all the computer nerds really like. We better get on that. And it turned out the kind of person that wants to make a Linux desktop is not the kind of person that they can sell a Linux desktop to. Let's see. I've asked about what old consoles you still keep, but what about old computers? I do not. My PC uses the case of a G5. The brackets are from a conversion kit I bought online. Yeah, my old computers usually... Uh, I usually replace my computer because my old computer doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so I have a Dang graveyard it. of them. Uh, I have a graveyard of non-functional computers. Huh. What about you, Wheels? Uh, I mean, I have a few old computers in a closet, but I don't really use them. It's, They're really not... inconvenient to yeah. actually drag out. 
even more so than the console. Yeah, not like it's not like an old console. Like I, I don't really have much interest in saving old computers, to be honest. It's, it's especially frustrating because, like, you know, you you there is like if you want to play old PC games, it can often be advantageous to have like actual hardware they were meant to run on. But like, mm. there is no canonical hardware that most of these games were meant to mm. run on, and so you're going to be making all sorts of compromises even if you pull out the old hardware. Like, it's it's always fascinating if you go look up like. Uh, I, I think the, the best example of this is there's a Digital Foundry retro video about MechWarrior 2, I think, where he just goes over, like, about a dozen different builds of MechWarrior 2 that were sold, essentially, to work with different graphics cards. And they all have slightly different features and render the graphics in slightly different ways because they were ported by different people. It's, it's weird. It's mm -hmm. weird. Um, My sister's disappointed I'm not asleep, by the way. Don't worry, we are too. Wow. Just another, just another Thursday or Wednesday for you. <laughs> it's Thursday for wheels now, I think. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Um, how much do you care about your mouse and keyboard when you go out of your way to buy, for example, a mechanical keyboard or a game of mouse? I mean, mechanical keyboards are nice, but the, the thing about those is they also live like forever. So I don't care. Uh, I, I appreciate a mechanical keyboard just because they are sometimes nicer to type on, but, like, not for games. I don't care about games. What about you, Wheels? Are you, are you a mechanical keyboard person? Yes, although I don't have one, I want one very much. Yeah, someone sent me, like, a nice mechanical keyboard a few years back. The other thing is that I also have to be uh, careful about when and where I use it, because mechanical keyboards are loud as shit. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a lot of clunk. Yeah, if you've, if you've never met a mechanical keyboard nerd, they are a sight to behold. Mm -hmm. They'll start getting really into, like, what kind of switches you have underneath them. <laughs> But yeah, I, I've never owned a gamer mouse. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> the thing is, most of the time when I like, I don't like playing a lot of games that are specifically optimized for keyboard and mouse. So usually, if I'm playing a PC game, I plug my controller. I have no desire to play RTSs or Diablo clones or whatever else people use keyboards and mice mice for. Uh, I think you could say mouse as if it's the computer item. It's true, it's true. But, yeah, I, I, I have no desire to. Like, I don't even play first-person shooter with keyboard and mouse, and I know plenty of people consider that blasphemy, but they are too precise. More precise than I am. I don't <laughs> want to be that precise. I would rather just swing the thing in a direction and work from there. So... Yeah, like, I, I've never had a desire for a gamer mouse either because they're all ugly as shit. Jesus. <laughs> like, I don't need... I, I, there is 
like nothing more like ridiculous in this world than the uh marketed pc gamer aesthetic where everything is festooned with uh like a dozen right, different lights. yep it has to like and there there's never a hardware way to shut them off you have to go into like the like driver settings on your fucking keyboard or mouse to turn them off <laughs> Like, Remember, please, red I... makes it go faster. <sighs> they should they should incorporate that into the next uh, the next Warhammer 40k game. <laughs> yeah. The more red RGBs we detect, the faster it will go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those things. Like aesthetically, I find them distasteful. Which, if they were something I cared about, would not stop me. But Jesus. It is uh, in the well, in the 2010s internet uh, phrasing way too try hard. <laughs> what is your feeling toward playing with keyboard and mouse on consoles? Well, I think I made my opinion clear. I don't like playing with them on PCs. I'm not going to play them on consoles. It's not even a good place yeah. to set them up in that context. I don't think I've ever actually played a game that would require or even interact with a keyboard and mouse on a console? I've seen... I, I definitely know of games that allow it. Like, uh, I mean, I've seen the peripherals done for things like Final Fantasy XI. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, typing games. Typing games, of course. But... Yeah, let's all play Typing of the Dead. But... Do we all fall asleep again? No. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Uh, not Typing of the Dead, but... Uh, yeah, there, there are some other, like, there was some nascent attempts to make that a thing in the uh, early aughts, the Dreamcast port of Unreal Tournament, or keyboard and mouse. Uh, that's a really, like, it, it's an impressive but terrible port. Like, just runs like shit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think there's probably a couple PS2 games allowed that. I want to say Tribes Aerial Assault might have allowed that. Remember Tribes? Of course you don't. I do. Uh, of course you don't. It didn't come to the Mac. <laughs> Your, the soul still burns. Yes. Are you thinking of buying Chrono Cross on string wheels? Whoops, uh, they hit the wrong thing. Hold on. Hmm. Uh, good riddance to all your good advice. Uh, uh, you don't want to expose your credit card. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I fixed it. I, I hid my webcam instead of the screen for a second. <laughs> see. Um, but yeah, like... It, Consoles generally don't like a keyboard and mouse requires something to set them on. Like you can't get around that fact. You need like a desk or like preferably a desk that you're sitting at, but I mean, like maybe yeah. even a table. But like you can maybe make a table work, but the way you're sitting, like if you're on a couch, it's just not gonna work very yeah, well. The ergonomics are just too different between consoles and PCs for yeah. Whatnot. 
And like the kind of person who wants to play on keyboard and mouse is just gonna play the PC version anyway, so mm -hmm. the, uh, do you think in the future manufacturers will allow you to connect external Blu-ray drives to digital-only consoles? They do not necessarily have to lose money if they have some kind of software barrier. It only allows officially licensed drives to work. I, I just don't think that they would see there being enough money in it to do that. Like, part of the reason that the, like, the PS5 all-digital or the uh, Series S, like, Especially the PS5, like that is not actually like that hundred dollars that they're knocking off the price is not a Blu-ray drive thing. Like the cost of a Blu-ray drive, I can't imagine is terribly high at this point. Like I'm gonna see if I can uh, price out what those actually cost at this stage. Uh, like a bespoke Blu-ray drive to like plug into your computer is like $90, which would mean that I would imagine that like the actual cost of manufacture without housing is probably like maybe half to a third of that. Like the, the price, the, the whole point of the drive is uh, of like lowering the price without the drive is that they can take a bigger loss on the expensive parts of the console, the CPU, the GPU, all that, by guaranteeing that all of the games you buy, they are taking a bigger cut of because they're digital. They are not sharing the profits with anyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's like, in order to make the external Blu-ray drive uh, for Series S or... So, well, like, for, for one, it wouldn't work for the Series S, because, like, those versions are specifically and materially different from the Series X versions, but say, say Sony, for whatever reason, wants to sell you an official, like, here's a Blu-ray drive that you can attach to your uh, digital PS5 so you can play disc games on it. Like, aside from the bottleneck of reading from USB that would make, like, drive reading probably even slower... Uh, I feel like the issue you run into is that, like, the drive would itself, in order to make up for the, like, loss leader approach that they already took with the PS5 itself, that drive now needs to be exorbitantly expensive. Because, like, the whole point is we're giving up the extra cut of the profit for those future games you buy that are disc only. So, you know, we need to take that pound of flesh out now. Mm -hmm. So you end up with this. <laughs> Are you asleep again, Wales? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if snapping next to the microphone would work. <laughs> but uh, uh, okay, we'll, we'll finish out this question and probably let Wales go to sleep. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the entire purpose of <laughs> uh, this entire like loss leader approach no longer makes sense if they sell you the drive anyway. So, yeah. uh, like to to do that, like the drive would probably be at least two hundred dollars, probably more. <laughs> and at that point, like, who's gonna buy that? What what audience buys that? Like, how how many of those do you even make? So. Yeah, I, I don't think that you're gonna 
ever see that happen. There's just the the market reality just doesn't really make any sense. <sighs> Wheels, why did it just alert you to yourself mm. starting playing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was a very strange UI quirk. But yeah. Uh, we'll get to the other questions the fire miner left us in this uh, in the Discord next week. But, uh, really appreciate these. These were really interesting. And I mean, I always appreciate a chance to just sort of go off on topics that I kind of know, but not that well. So I could be spouting a lot of bullshit. Not and the intent. Neither just... of us would know if you were. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, we will get through, get to questions 11 through 16 a week and a, uh, two weeks from now when we do our next episode. Uh, everyone wish we all a good trip to Florida, a copiousless trip to Florida. Hopefully. Yeah. But before that, uh, we need to get a yep. plug-in before uh, Gaijin has more difficulty getting on in the future. True, yes. Yay, it's the start of a new school year. Yay. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's the start of a new school nah, It's the start of a new school year. Okay. Am I cutting out our schedule? Good, just cutting what? out. You're cutting out a bit. Huh? Looks yeah, you're cutting like out for me, too. So. As you enter right hello? Uh, hello. You're, you're back now. Hello. Yay. Okay, before I completely lose connection, we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited for your reading enjoyment, and or school book reports if you're still young enough to worry about these things. Um, In which case, I'm sorry, I swear so fucking much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really depends on who's listening, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you enjoy... Um, what, uh, uh, whatever they're called, called by, um, podcasts of, at this point, probably Curse of Strahd, because that seems to be what every single D&D podcast is doing these days. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy that kind of thing, if you enjoy uh, experiencing vicariously the thrill of somebody else's poor, um, poor decisions and roleplay, and if you are, in fact, sick of hearing yet another rendition of Curse of Strahd. <laughs> um, all about playing the game, about people playing the game, about getting the minds of the characters in the game, and zero, or not, I can't say zero vampires, there is one, but she only shows up once or twice. So, um, so it's definitely not Curse of Strahd, is what I'm saying. There's definitely no Strahd yeah. in himself, in any case. <laughs> no. Or is anybody else. No. Yeah. Give that a look, Michael Yadi Mizu, Amazon, Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, or uh, the nice paperbacks. Sorry, I was just making sure that all that got through. <laughs> but yeah, and uh. What else? Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can catch me normally on Sundays, but not this Sunday. Uh, on the RP Gamer channel doing shenanigans where we play whatever and talk about whatever. Which ranges from football to actual RPGs. Uh, we also stream 
this show, if you're not watching it now and listening to this podcast, on Twitch and my channel, twitch.tv slash swheels or twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Yes. Every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight uh, Eastern. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you can also ask us questions. You can ask us questions through the Twitch chat. If you're managing to catch us live, I don't recommend asking questions in the RP Gamer uh, chat when we're not streaming. Not that people won't answer you, but they won't guess. But yeah, uh, so, you know, uh, you can ask us questions there, or you can ask us through the Discord by going to rpgamer.com and joining the Discord via the community tab. And even if you don't want to ask us questions, that's a lovely community, and you should totally join anyway. But uh, otherwise, you can also ask us questions through the comments section under this video. So uh, thanks once again to Fireminer for always keeping our question coffers filled. Uh, this was a lot of fun, but uh, this week, as ever, and since I won't be able to say it next week, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya.